You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 29 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the editor of the, the Toolstation Western League bulletin. It is Mr. Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. And you? I'm not bad. Yes, Good. I'm not bad. Unfortunately, rain stopped playing, Falmouth. Oh, no. I was all set for my big bucket collection oh, this weekend. Right. Oh, we'd, cool we'd, we'd moved all of the family down to, to Falmouth for the occasion, oh. only to be beaten by the weather. But it's um, it? it was it. Well, it was, but we did still had a really lovely weekend down there. Um, went to a couple of National Trust properties, had some very, very good fish and chips. And I have to say a very good takeaway curry as well. Lovely, lovely. Um, so yes, yeah, so um, hopefully I will. I'm still harbouring um, aspirations of getting down there before the end of the season mm. and, and getting that bucket collection done because Falmouth is a club that, obviously, they've you know they've made some really great headlines with with their exploits in the bars and it would be nice yeah. to get down and meet some of the people that make the club tick. But um, mm. anyway, there you go. Um, and another bumper crop of um, interviews on this week's podcast, despite the best efforts of the weather. Um, we're going to kick things off, actually, with a, an interview I've done with our new general secretary, um, Jennifer Gregory. She's um, in the process of taking over from um, Andy Radford. And um, it was interesting to catch up with Jen and get her take on the general secretary's role. So we're going to kick things off with that. Uh, we're also going to be hearing from Dan Hart, um, the manager of Buckland Athletic. And our first division interview will be with Jason Max, the uh, the manager of Odd Down. Now, before we get into the matches that were played on Saturday, the 17th of, um, of February, we will hear uh, our first interview, the interview um, that I have done with our new General Secretary, uh, Jennifer Gregory. For those of you who aren't familiar with Jennifer, she was obviously, uh, she was, as some of you will know, um, heavily involved with the um, Somerset FA, um, which um, she does talk about in the interview. But um, for those of you who don't, uh, who aren't familiar with her, uh, then hopefully um, this will give you a, uh, an introduction into what she's all about. Uh, I started off our conversation by asking Jen to explain what the role of the league's general secretary is all about. The general secretary role is not unlike a club secretary in many ways. We're kind of the glue that holds everything together. Broadly speaking, my role is to ensure the league its members, which is the clubs, operate to standards expected and basically comply with various rules and regulations. Um, I'm a bit of a communications conduit between clubs and the board and the board and the FA. In terms of day-to-day -day stuff, you'll, you'll find me checking full-time processes, um, maintaining fair play awards, producing statistics, taking minutes and, and fielding calls. That kind of thing. Um, so you've obviously taken over um, um, part way through um, this season, and uh, I know that's going to involve obviously working with your predecessor Andy Radford um, um, as, as part of a handover um, process. But I mean, what are your priorities for the Western League at the moment? Do you think the clubs will notice any differences between now and the end of the season? Uh, clubs should um, already be seeing a difference. So Andy's um, very much shadowing the role until the end of the season. So he, he's going to be around. But what is happening now is that he's slowly letting me off the leash. 
So clubs will gradually see, gradually see more correspondence from yourself. You'll also see me on match days um, again. So if you know who I am, please come and say hello. That will be very welcomed. But a priority that I'm looking at in more detail is, is safeguarding. Um, just checking on who those personnel are involved with the R under 18s and basically do they have the correct qualification to, to be there and, and be with under 18s on match days. And what about the longer term? I mean, obviously, um, in the Western League at the moment, particularly in our step five in our premier division the issue of travel and the organization uh, of the league is is a hot topic um for our clubs but i mean w what do you hope for the future of the tool station western league travel's always been a, a, a pretty much contentious issue in the western league but it's really not anything new so there's always been those big distances to cover 30 years or more ago the likes of radstock and welton and you can single them out because they're not near a motorway connection. We're still traveling, traveling to Devon and Cornwall without the luxury of some of the vehicles and the, the coaches that we've got today. And indeed, without that road infrastructure. So I obviously can't tell you too much information because I'm new and I don't know that. But from what I've seen from the board, that board will do its utmost to ensure that the league remains both sustainable and competitive for the future. Uh, now, one of the questions I ask the managers on the podcast, particularly when the first time I, I get them on, is to give us a little bit of background. I, I ask them to tell me about their footballing journey um, to their respective dugout. And I'm, I'm going to I'm going to ask you a similar question, Jen. Can you tell me about your footballing journey to the Western League boardroom? Um, it started perhaps um, 20 years or more ago. Um, I joined the Somerset County Football Association and clubs in Somerset will probably know me. I kind of headed up what is now called football services um, and that dealt with discipline, rules, regulations, sanctioning, cup competitions. Um, but during that time I was obviously bitten by a kind of football bug. Um, I became a league secretary and a treasurer of a local men's junior league. Um, I've also been a club secretary. I've been in the tea hut and also met my husband through football. So I left Somerset FA um, around two years ago, but that brought about some different footballing opportunities, um, which was primarily with the Somerset County League as a regulation director and also with the FA. Um, and I'm, I'm very privileged to, to sit on what they call a, a national serious case panel. So that's discipline offences that are, as the name suggests, serious um, with, with assaults and discrimination type offences. Um, but in December, I, I was really thrilled to be offered the role at the Western League. And I, I'm hoping that I can add a lot of value to what is a really fabulous board of directors and make the Western League the league of the Southwest. And my thanks to Jen for her time. Uh, now, we will move on to the games played on Saturday, the 17th of February. We're going to kick off with the FA Vars tie uh, between Bridgewater United and Deal Town. Um, this managed to get on despite the best efforts of the weather. Of course, this was postponed from the previous week. And I mean, there's only one question, isn't there, Tom? Was it deal or no deal? 
Unfortunately, it was no deal. Uh, in the end, it was a yeah marathon game went to went to penalties. Uh, Bridgewater two 0 down didn't start particularly well actually. There were yeah as I say two down within the, the opening quarter of the game. Uh, Tom Chapman and Rory Smith scoring for the away side. Uh, but yeah, to their credit, Bridgewater fought back excellently uh, and got back into it. And uh, yeah, they were actually two 0 down at the interval. So it's a, a brilliant second half fight back from them. Uh, ben Griffiths half in the deficit pretty early in the uh, in the second half, uh, and then. Uh, with their uh, opponents reduced to 10 men. And it was Jack Thorne who, who drew the host level. Uh, they did actually uh, believe at one point they'd gone 3-2 up, but the uh, the linesman uh, raised, a, raised a flag. I think it was a bit of a late flag uh, from reports. I think most people thought the goal had, goal had stood uh, to put them 3-2 up, but unfortunately that was ruled out. Uh, so it stayed 2-2. That was how it ended uh, after 90 minutes and uh, with the game. Uh, then heading to heading to a shootout, it was Deal who came out on top, uh, six five in the uh, in the penalties. Uh, so it's they who join uh, Falmouth. Don't take on Falmouth, but they they join Falmouth in the, in the last eight of the Vars. Yeah, um, uh, I think we we should give Bridgewater United a notable mention Absolutely. for their heroics in this season's Vars competition. And obviously, as we always say in these situations, penalties are the cruelest. Mm. Um, way to go but um, they they gave it a damn good go and um, all credit to them um, for that three games for us to talk about in the Premier Division Tom we're going to kick things off at Street where the visitors were Millbrook and um, it was a red letter day um, for the Cornish side yeah, it really was. So uh, three Premier Division games, all won by their wayside, and that includes bottom side, Millbrook. Absolutely fantastic result from them. Uh, a three-two win at Street, who'd been in pretty decent form uh, over recent weeks. This, it's not like uh, Millbrook could come up against a side who are sort of plummeting. Uh, Street have been been doing all right of, of recent weeks, especially at home as well. So to go there and win three-two, yeah, full credit to Millbrook because obviously they could have. Uh, you know, I don't want to say they'll pack it in, but um, you know, in in terms of the, the motivation, must be pretty tough when you're when you're struggling at the bottom of the table like they have been. Uh, yeah, but to their credit, they've they've gone there and, and grabbed a win. Uh, they were one 0 up at the break, uh, and then it was uh, yeah, thanks to an own goal, uh, and then it was it was um, pretty late on that they did actually manage to turn this one around. It was Will Sullivan and then a, a late substitute, Adam Beardsmore, uh, both scored in the final ten minutes, uh, and a memorable away win uh, for Millbrook at Street by three goals to two. Yeah, absolutely. Really delighted um, for Millbrook. Mm. I saw them play at Clevedon and uh, Clevedon scored a hatful of goals. But one thing I was really taken by on that day was um, the fact that Millbrook, they never stopped going, you know, both on the bench, the manager, very motivated and the players, you could tell we're, we're giving we're giving it absolutely everything and really doing their best. And I echo what you say, Tom, uh, you know, about them plugging away they could have you know just given up and they haven't done that and all credit to them and their football club I think uh, now our next um, match is Wellington they were at home to Buckland Athletic and Buckland recording another good win yeah absolutely a come come from behind one at that as well so three goals to one uh, in their favour uh, but it was uh, yeah real real pretty pretty special goal early on from Josh Lukins uh, from long range putting Wellington in front uh, but they, uh, yeah, they did ha- hit back pretty quickly, Buckland. So they went went behind for long. Rob Farkins making it one apiece, uh, and then it was, um, yeah, the, the away side who pushed on after the break. Uh, and obviously, Jared Lewington had to get his name on the score sheet again. Uh, so he did just that. I think we'll touch on the the, the leading scorers later, so we can update that. But he made it two one uh, early in the second half. And then it was uh, another goal late on uh, from Tegan Rosenquest uh, made it made it three one, and that was how it stayed. So another another three points for Buckland, uh, and yeah, and capitalising on obviously the other sides around them. Uh, having their games called off on the weekend. So, yeah, big, big, big victory for, for the away side in that one. 
And a great opportunity for me to get Dan Hart um, back on the podcast. It's always a pleasure talking um, to Dan. We had him on earlier this season. I thought it was about time we got him on um, for a, a second bite of the cherry. I started off by asking Dan for his thoughts on that performance against Wellington. It's been a good couple of weeks for us and kind of, yeah, topped with a, with a win at Wellington in some very difficult conditions on the weekend. It's been good. Were you concerned that the game wasn't going to get on? Well, I was surprised that it was. Um, we've been quite fortunate with our fixtures this year that we haven't had too many postponements, maybe a couple through frozen pitches and maybe one postponement through the weather, but um, not an awful lot of the games have been off. So, yeah, I was slightly surprised. I think the, the Wellington kind of committee was slightly surprised too, um, but the rest called it on. And, and to be fair, even when the rain came at sort of half-time, it, it didn't affect the pitch too much until the, the very end of the match. I mean, given your the two clubs' positions um, on paper, there was you know you were obviously the clear favourites, but of course you weren't playing on paper. You were, potentially you were playing you know on on something of a mud bath, which which, <laughs> which, which could be a great leveller. But obviously that um, you know your boys are up to it on the day. Yeah, it was not too dissimilar to what we spoke about in the changing room beforehand. I think that Wellington have. It might be in a little bit of a false position and they've recruited quite well recently as well with the likes of Jake Viney from that was at Bridgewater and things like that. So we knew that we'd be in a, for a bit of a tough game. Um, all of our, all of my games certainly against Wellington in the last couple of years have been tight ones um, and it was that and yeah, the pitch might have played a part but I was just quite proud of our lads and the way that we saw it through and had to play in a little bit of a different way to get the results. So quite pleasing. At the moment, you're third in the table, um, but there is a, a gap between you and the top two. Do you, I mean, do you think that, realistically speaking, sort of a title push for you is is over now? Absolutely. I think we're, we're more than uh, more than at rights with kind of where we sit in the table. We know we've got a huge challenge on our hands to to try and achieve something this year and to get into those playoff spots. But I think you know we we know we've just got to keep doing our thing and ticking off results and trying to get bigger wins when we face the bigger sides. Um, yeah, and hope that you know, teams around us have a spell like we did at the start of the season. Um, but yeah, from our point of view, we've just got to keep focusing on the next match. And the next one for us is obviously next Tuesday at Falmouth, which is a, a huge test of our character and how far we've come. So that's the next thing on our on our radar. I'm sure that when you look at the league table, you're very conscious of the teams below you having games in hand over you. But one of the things that I can't help but reflect on as we move from February and we start moving into March is that actually the, the number of weeks left in the season is becoming less and less. So in a way, are you more pleased that you've got games in the bank rather than having the prospect of two, three or potentially even four games a week um, between now and the end of the season? Yeah, perhaps. Um, you could look at it both ways. I think that... Um... <laughs> It's, it's, it's easier to catch up points at the end of the season than it is at the start. Um, I, do, I genuinely believe that. So the teams in and around us that have got those those games in hand, I feel that if they're playing in you know in good form and they can continue to provide themselves some rhythm, then there's every chance that they'll go above us. And, and that's you know that's that's where we are. That's where we've left ourselves in, in the division. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, teams could fall out of form. Um, they might have some dodgy results. And this league this year in particular has been incredibly um, tough and uh, very competitive. So, you know, yes, we've got an eye on other results. It's unfortunate that we're having to do that. But likewise, on, on the other hand, we've got to very much remain focused on our games because we need to be almost faultless for the rest of the season to try and achieve 
um, to try and achieve something. Of course, one of the challenges for teams to try and catch up their fixture backlog, particularly when the weather is, is, is as it is at the moment, is the potential for injuries. Um, now, I mean, I don't know how well-blessed your squad currently is in terms of, of, of fitness, but that could prove telling, couldn't it, in the final couple of weeks? Yeah, of course. And that, teams are fighting on a couple of fronts as well. I know a few teams are in different competitions. Now, for us, we've missed um, Callum Watson, who's one of our, you know, one of our key men and, and has been throughout the season. We've missed him now for about the last five weeks or so, and we're hoping to get him back to full fitness soon. But other than that, we're in really good shape, and we do a lot of work on in- injury prevention at the club, and it has paid off to a certain extent this season. So we're quite pleased with that. But you know, right across the league suspensions and, and injuries and things like that will will play a part I'm sure in the rest of the season which makes it exciting I mean you are in the playoff race obviously you're third but um, is that you know is that your ambition um, for this season if you can get Buckland into the playoffs um, will you think that you know you've had a good season uh, I think it has to be our ambition if I'm honest um, I think the, the club and where we are and the season we, we, that we had last year which was very good perhaps a, you know a little bit of an overachievement last year and for us this season the way that we look at it quite honestly is, is so far we've perhaps underachieved and um, nice to have found some rhythm recently but as a group we all need to continue to yeah, play with a little bit of rhythm and confidence and, and see where that takes us and um, we're not going to start feeling sorry for ourselves um, and in those bigger games like we said it, we feel that is still in our hands to a certain extent um, and if we can grab enough wins towards here in the end of the season and we do manage to find a playoff place at the end of it then um, we should go into that with some momentum um, and I think if we do that we still to this day I, I, I retain that you know if we if we get to that stage we've got the squad capable of being a real handful to stop in, in the playoffs Now I noticed from your recent fixtures in 2024 you've come up against Hel- an athletic twice once in the league and once in the Les Phillips Cup I mean when you look back on those two matches do you make them the side to beat this season yeah I do I think to be fair particularly in the league fixture um, I thought we were the better side and I said that to Matt after the game for, for a large proportion but teams at that end of the table um, they, they tend to get the, they, they tend to get things done when it counts when it really matters in those later moments of games and um, they managed to keep us out and then take two chances and, and likewise in the Cup it was horrendous night down down in West Cornwall and, and again they got the job done 3-2 um, so I do now I played for Matt um, and I, I'll obviously been up against him on the touchline now a few times and um, yeah they got strong belief in what they're doing they've got some great players down there um, all a solid group lots of them have, have been in, in and won this division beforehand as well and I'd back them you know if I had to put place my hat on somebody it would be for Helston to go on and, and finish the job now uh, you mentioned already that you've got Falmouth coming up um, on Saturday, um, and of course they're a club that's um, famous for its its for its huge gates, you know, for its vociferous support. Um, yeah. How do your players re- react to that? I mean, d- obviously it can be intimidating, particularly when you're used to playing in front of you know maybe eighty or ninety people. But also, I, I guess it can be a cup final atmosphere. It can be such a change from the norm that it it, it, it elevates players' performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think firstly that they're unbelievable down there, um, and what they've been, what they've given to that Falmouth squad this year. I've got friends in that team, and. Um, what they've given to them is, is is amazing. It can really lift performances. And you know, I've come up against them now three or four times as a as a manager. Um, and you know, fortunately, last year we w- we went down there and put on one of our best performances of the season um, on a Saturday. I think that next Tuesday will be a different kettle of fish. Hugely difficult 
in a midweek game, I'm sure, and I'm sure their fans will will try and lift the spirits of everybody on the pitch. So, you know, we've we've got a we've got a lot of experienced players in our squad. Um, I don't think we should be daunted by a big crowd. You know, we get kind of three to to you know three hundred at our home games at the minute. Um, so we we shouldn't be too affected by that, and just you know try and be a little bit embodied by the atmosphere that they create. Um, they're friendly people, they're loud people, and it does make for a, a much better atmosphere in this league. And you know, if more teams had the support that Falmouth do, it would be even better to watch week in week out. I'm sure. Well, I've had the pleasure of visiting your ground on a couple of occasions, and I was very impressed by your support. Um, mm-hmm. You've only got three home games left between now and the end of the season okay. uh, at home as Heath. That's in the league, of course. Um, and I guess it's really important for your supporters to get behind you on this push to the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Those three games will be, I'm sure, be huge for us. Our away form this season has been much improved. Um, if anything, at home, we've been slightly more disappointing. So, yeah, we want to try and finish that on a high, those three games that we've got remaining. And we have a you know, much increased gates this season. Um, so it's been pleasing to see we must be doing something right um, as a club on the pitch and off the pitch. And we've got to try and, yeah, create that momentum um, and put ourselves in a position where fans can come along and support a winning team and a team that are still fighting for something right up until the last day of the season. And my thanks to Dan for his time. Uh, one final game to take you through in the Premier Division. Luckless Welton Rovers, they were taking on something of a local derby against Shepton Mallet. Well, Mallet's good form in the league continued, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. And it was uh, yeah a good good run for them right at the end of the first half that, that turned the game in their, their favour. Big, pretty decent crowd there, considering obviously we had to have a bit of a wet afternoon. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, as you say, Mallet uh, going two goals up at the interval. And that was uh, Cam Allen and Will Banks both scoring in sort of the five-minute period just before half-time. So, um, yeah, real, real fill-up for them going into the second half. And uh, they pushed enough after that. Welton. A uh, couple of couple of dismissals, so a tough afternoon for for the hosts in this one, and it was substitute uh, Matt Morris who wrapped things up for for Mallet, who, as you say, continue their their strong run of form, three uh, 0 win for them away at Welton Rovers. And now a message from our sponsors. Whatever the job, with over twenty five thousand products in stock and ready to go, you can click, collect, and conquer at Toolstation. Now we move into the first division and um, we'll kick things off at Bishop Sutton where the visitors were odd down and um, um, you have more than an expert opinion <laughs> on this game, I think, Tom. Yeah, I don't get to too many games, but I was I was at Lakeview on, on Saturday afternoon to, to take this one in. As I say, wet, wet afternoon, especially second half, definitely, uh, uh, I would say it affected the game a little bit. But um, yeah, I, Bishop Sutton drawing another blank, unfortunately, they're having a... Having a tough season, uh, 2-0 uh, defeat for them, but it was pretty, pretty tight contest. I think they were probably uh, probably the better team in the second half, maybe deserved to get something from it, especially, uh, I think, yeah, to, to go goalless for them again on, on Saturday was uh, was tough, uh, but it was Oddown who, who who gained the three points and uh, a couple of goals right at the end of the first half. Uh, Alfie Andrews and uh, Raphael Wall both both scoring for the, for the visitors uh, against, yeah, it must be said, a, a very young-looking uh, Bishop Sutton side. Uh, who, yeah, kept going till the till the final minute, final minutes, but it was yeah it was odd down the bath side who went there and did a job uh, and got the got the two 0 win. Uh, now one of the characters I love talking to on the podcast is um, uh, the larger than life Jason Mags, the manager of Odd Down, and we haven't heard from Jason for a while, so I thought that victory over Bishop Sutton was a good excuse to get him back on the podcast. Uh, that was um, Odd Down's first win of 2024. So I started off by asking Jason whether he was more pleased. Or relieved. 
a bit relieved, to be honest, uh, Ian. Um, you know, I said our last December the 30th against Warminster. Um, we had a couple of decent performances. We had a couple of draws. Uh, we went over to Cribs, drew within the cup, but lost on penalties. But, yeah, league wins have been um, a bit far between at the moment. So, yeah, Saturday's result was uh, in horrible conditions, may I say. It was... Uh, the weather was atrocious, but and obviously a potential banana skin for us. But three points uh, thoroughly needed. So uh, yeah, we move on from that. Because um, Bishop's Bishop Sutton plight this season is is well known. But I mean, how did they perform on the day? Did they give you a good game? They done they done all right to be honest. I um I obviously know their manager because he was a, a goalkeeper for us uh, the other season, Chris Blaman, and um, like I said to him. It, I know the position they, they, they're in because we were at like that at the start of this season. And it is, it's horrible when you're down there and you're trying to get that win. It's, uh, it's an hard task. But they, they got a good group of lads down there and, you know, hopefully they stay together and build from, you know, build for next season. You mentioned your sort of form so far this year and it's been patchy. Um, you had that win over Warminster and you had also a draw against Cadbury Heath. Um, but there was a heavy defeat at home to win Canton. So when you look at your sort of your body of work this season, have you been frustrated or are there other reasons for it? Yeah, a bit of frustration. Um, obviously, our, the main thing was our, our sort of talisman was um, a young lad called Milo. Uh, he got snapped up by Yate Tang, which for us as a club was brilliant because he's gone up the, the pyramid of football and we never hold a, a player back from doing that. But since Milo left, we've um, we sort of had a void in our team and it sort of, uh, I think it's affected us really badly. Um, we haven't really sort of got anyone back in now to replace him. Um, we've also lost our striker now, Ben Millet. He's out now for six months with a... I think it was a broken patella, so uh, we're wishing him all the best in his recovery. And um, we haven't got a, a very big squad to work with. Unfortunately, our reserves um, folded in the, the new year as well, so you can't really pick anyone from there no more. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of frustration. And also, um, some games, yeah, you just got to hold your hand up and you've got to take the defeats. And we did, like I said, win Canton, give us a, a, a masterclass on the day, to be honest. They... Uh, they, they they executed their game plan really, really well. So, But, yeah, we've picked up a point here at Cabri Heath and a, a point there. Um, but frustration probably is the, the main thing, yeah. yeah. W- would you say then that 15th in the league table is a fair reflection on your season so far? I think so, Ian, yeah. I think I spoke to you last time. I, I, I've set the lads a bit of a target after Saturday and just said, look, you know, our aim is to try and finish sort of mid-table. Um, I think we're about nine, eight, nine points off of that at the moment. Um, for us to finish halfway, I think, would be a relatively, yeah, decent season for us. So there is cause for optimism for the odd down fans. You're looking up rather than down. Well, we're looking up. Yeah, you, you're never you're never too far away. I keep looking at the table every week. And I always, uh, always tell the lads every training session and then every game on a Saturday, I, I hope you're looking at the league table because... You know, a couple of bad results, and you're you're dragged back down into the you know the the bottom four or five in the league, and that's not where we want to be. You know, as I said, we're probably a mid-table side at the moment, and you know, hopefully we can achieve that, and then hopefully try and build from that for next season. Uh, now you've got Bitten up next um, 
on Saturday, and that's going to be a real test for you. But I guess that win against Bishop Sutton means that you go into that game with some confidence. Well, we, we you go into it with a bit of confidence, but obviously you look not look where Bitten are in the league, and you know they're they're they're, they're doing really well, and I think Will Justin's assembled a a very strong squad there at the moment. So um, we got a hiding bang there before uh, the turn of the year. Um, so that's always in the back of your mind. You know, you always want to try and uh, correct a, a defeat, but it's going to be a, a very hard task on Saturday. Um, I just hope we, we just turn up and we, we actually give them a game. And then it's something of a double whammy for you, isn't it? You've got Cribs and Reserves, who've um, done really well this season, followed by our league leaders, Portis Head Town. Now, I mean, how are you looking at those two fixtures? Do you, are you going in there and, you you know, are they a free hit for you? I'm going in worried, to be honest. It's, uh, <laughs> two of the top three sides, yeah. You know, Cribs done really, really well. And, and we've done really well over there, like I said, the other the other week in the Cup. So, Cribs, you know, they're fair play to them. they they're the, the top team, and he's done a fantastic job down there as well with Porter's Ed. So, yeah, as you say, it, they are probably a free hit for us. We're not expecting to get much out of those two games, but, you know, if we could get the odd point here or there, would be re, you know, I'd be really pleased with that. I, I mean, obviously, we've talked about, you know, you targeting a mid-table finish um, this season, and that's obviously going to be your priority. But, I mean, have you got one eye on next season? Have you got aspirations for where you want to take this odd down side, uh, side you know over the over the sort of the medium term future well there's um I always, I'm always speaking with the the hierarchy of the club because you also you know there there has been a few financial issues uh, this year and um you know there's been a few restraints put on the, the the club um but hopefully there is you know there is light at the end of the tunnel there's rumors that you know there could be a a redevelopment of the club which could be massive in our side because obviously it'd be a massive investment in the thing which everyone's looking for but you can only say that when it actually it happens but the rumours are pretty good um, so you know as a club then you know if you get all this in place then we've got to look at the team and think yeah come on we got we got to progress and for me as a manager I, I, I don't want to be down where we are season after season I, I would really look to be pushing up into the top six seven trying to look for a playoff spot and you know I think most managers would be and my thanks to Jason for his time uh, now our next game features Cadbury Heath against Middlesoy Rovers and um, Cadbury Heath you correct me if I'm wrong Tom but it feels <laughs> to me like Cadbury Heath's form has been going along rather nicely recently and, and that continued on um, on Saturday yeah, it feels like they're doing doing particularly well. Uh, last couple of months, I would say, it feels like they're scoring definitely scoring more often than they used to be. A couple of couple of chaps seem to be getting on the uh, getting their names on the score sheet most weeks. And uh, yeah, another good win for them uh, on the weekend. Three one victory at home to Middlesoy, and it was um, a, yeah real fast start for them, which helped them in this one. Harry Goldsmith scoring after only fifty six seconds, so that gave them uh, yeah uh, a dream opening to the game. And uh, Josh Haynes made it made it two 0 pretty soon after uh, inside quarter of an hour to Long Ranger. Uh, so 2-0 up the Heath and uh, in, in command at that stage. Um, Rovers did get themselves back into the game uh, early in the second half, but it was uh, but was the Heath who wrapped things up uh, five minutes from time, and that was through Zach Cheatham. So, yeah, good win for, for the Heath who, yeah, I'd say they're rising up the table pretty nicely. A 3-1 win for them over Middlesbrough. 
Uh, now we'll move on to Cribs Reserves, high-flying Cribs Reserves, of course, who recorded a pretty routine win over Warminster Town. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, uh, cutting the gap at the top a little bit. Three-nil uh, win uh, for the reserves. Uh, sorry, for, ah, did that again? Three-nil <clears throat> win for for Cribs uh, over Warminster, and uh, they'd beaten them earlier in the season, so a good good double for them. Uh, and it was goals from Tom Hedford, Aaron Coleman, and Jack Guffrey, uh, giving them a three-nil win over Warminster. Now we don't normally talk about draws when we're doing our match roundup, but of course the weather has taken mm-hmm. a bit of an axe to our fixture list. But to be honest with you, I think this might have been a game we would have talked about anyway, Tom, because it featured Portishead Town at home to Longwell Green Sports. Surely, Tom, surely there could only have mm-hmm. been one winner here. Well, you'd imagine so. Yeah, the the, the league leaders, twenty-one wins coming into this one. Uh, winning more often than not, but they had to claw, claw and scratch their way to a point on the weekend. Uh, one all draw for them at home to to Longwell Green, and they 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 trailed for for quite a bit of this game. Uh, goalless opening half, but then Longwell Green uh, going ahead right at the start of the second half, and that was Sonny Pascoe finding the back of the net. So that really put the pressure on on Porter's head to 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 keep up their uh, their good run, and um, obviously. You know, it's it's not always the easiest being being the hunted, is it? And uh, that proved to be the case uh, on Saturday. They did drop two points, but they did claim uh, a late point, as I say. Well, obviously, uh, but it's uh, yeah, one all draw, uh, and it was a, a share of the spoils thanks to a a Callum Eastwood header uh, cross in from uh, Carly and headed home by Eastwood and uh, made it one all, and that was how it stayed. So yeah, Porters had one, uh, Longwell Green Sports one, making it interesting in the running, definitely. Mm. Uh, and one final game to reflect on in the first division, uh, and that was Well City at home to Hengrove Athletic. And again, I think we can put this in the category of another routine victory. Yeah, I'd say so. And uh, yeah, good stuff from, from Wells, who've now reached the, the 50 point mark, which I think is pretty significant. And uh, I think they're the eighth side to do so uh, in the first division this year. Uh, and it was goals from Joe Morgan and Harry Warwick, which led them to the, the 2 0 win over Hengrove on Saturday. Now, we will be having a look at the leading goal scorers, but we'll take a look at the fixtures hopefully coming up on Saturday, the 24th of February. Again, I know the weather's going to do its best mm-hmm. to, um, to to ruin our fun, um, but let's hope that it doesn't. And if it doesn't, Tom, what game has caught your eye in the Premier Division? <sighs> Only one place to, to look, I think, and I, I do appreciate you always letting me go first uh, <laughs> in, in selecting these. And it's, uh, yeah, Helston versus Cleveland. So we've got the top two meeting uh, meeting on Saturday. Uh, obviously, yeah. Well, if there is a victor, they will will be, will be top of the table on Saturday afternoon, which is always a a nice place to be. And I think it's uh, yeah, Clevedon, not in the best of form considering their their lofty league position. But yeah, they go there, and um, well, it will be a yeah. This will be a bit of a bit of an epic, I would have thought. And looking forward to seeing how that one plays out. Fingers crossed as for the weather, as you say. I'm interested in the drama um, behind the uh, um, our leading characters. Uh, and uh, we, we we spoke about this on last week's podcast when we had the press boys in. We talked about the race for the playoffs. And um, Barnstable Town, of course, very well placed, um, particularly with their games in hand. They travelled to Shepton Mallet. And I think Shepton Mallet, for many uh, dark horses, a team that people believe will have uh, a say in uh, in the final sort of knockings of of this season. Shepton, of course, could do their playoff hopes the world of good by recording a win over Barnstable Town. A statement victory that would certainly be. So that interests me greatly. Uh, I think that would be a really fascinating game if it gets on on Saturday. Uh, and if we dip down into the first division, Tom, what games caught your eye there? 
Well, I've managed to yeah, had a quick quick look at the fixtures and there's a bit of a, a bit of a quirk and we've only got two teams from the top half actually meeting each other on Saturday. So, um plenty of uh, games between sides at the top and at the bottom. Uh but there is one uh between uh, Wales who we've just touched on they travel to take on Bocco. Um both sitting uh, on 50 points. So, yeah, should be a pretty pretty tight game I'd have thought, but um yeah, that's uh, let's see how that one plays out. And I'm interested in Bristol Telephones against Bradford Town. Now, te- phone supporters are probably thinking, don't start talking about how good we are, because every time you do that, we <laughs> lose. But I still think at home, they are a, a, a tricky nut um, for anybody to crack in the first division. Bradford Town, I've watched them a couple of times this season. A bit of a transitional season for Bradford. I think we've heard that on the podcast before, but they've still been putting in competitive performances. I think no quarter will be asked, and I don't think any will be given in this game. I think it will be um, it will be a full on affair, very competitive and uh, a, a good game to watch. I'm sure for anybody who can get to Bristol Telephones against Bradford Town. Now, one final act for us, uh, Tom, is uh, a review of the goal scorers. We'll have a look at the tables um, next week. It would actually be nice if we could play a few games so the tables might tell hmm. us something that they haven't been telling us before. But we'll do that hopefully next week. Um, but what can you tell us about our leading hot shots? Yes, of course we can we can touch on that. If we look at the league goals, uh, we've got Jared Lewington, uh, as I say, touched touched on him earlier in the uh, in the roundup. He scored again on the weekend for Buckland, so that's 27 league goals for him. So he's leading the way uh, in the Premier Division. Uh, Jack Fawn of uh, Bridgewater uh, has 20 league goals, uh, and Phil Ormrod, who scored uh, in defeat for for Street on the weekend, he's up to 17. So that's the top three in the Premier Division, uh, and then in the First Division, won't surprise you to hear that Ethan Feltham is still out in front. He's on. <laughs> 39 league goals, so yeah, plenty more than the goal of games, so he's going great guns, as we all know. Uh, Matt Garner uh, of Wincanton, 25, uh, and then another chap who's passed, uh, passed the 20 mark is Liam Winter of Middlesoy, who's on 21, so that's uh, the top three in, in both divisions. Excellent stuff. We have, of course, been reviewing all of the excellent statistics and stories that you've covered in your bulletin this week, Tom. Um, where can the listeners find that? That is on the uh, the toolstationleague.com website. Uh, if you, it's on the homepage, and it's also a little bit little bit further down. There's a there's a tab, and you can scroll and unclick on that one, and that will come out every week. Brilliant stuff, Tom. Thank you very much um, for your time, as always. And I look forward to catching up with you on next week's Toolstation Western League podcast. <laughs>